Hi, this is Pastor Bob Yandian. Before the coming Easter day, coming up here in just a few days, we're taking the seven sayings of the cross, one each day. Today is the third one where Jesus honored Mary. Knowing in yourself when submission toward your parents ends as you grow up, but never failing to honor them, Jesus did this in his closing breath just before he died. He told Mary, he said, I'm turning you over to John for safekeeping. We'll find out about that today. Join me. For more than 40 years, Bob Yandian has been an expositor of the Bible, making seemingly complicated doctrine easy to understand. Grab your Bible and study the Word of God with Bob Yandian. Hello, welcome again to Student of the Word with Pastor Bob Yandian. Good to have you here today. This is number three of seven lessons leading up to the Easter holiday weekend and uh, the Sunday when we represent the fact and celebrate the fact that Jesus Christ arose from the dead. And so there were seven sayings from the cross and we're taking seven lessons talking about each saying. And the first two we've covered already was the first one, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they do. And the second one was when he spoke to the thief on the cross and said, today you'll be with me in paradise, the one that accepted him as Lord and Savior. Today we're gonna talk about when Jesus honored Mary and turned the keeping of Mary over to John himself and uh, of course, we have that here in these sayings today, number three. And uh, I want you to turn with me to Isaiah chapter 52 and verse 13. While you're going there again, I just want to thank all of my uh, faithful people that support my ministry. Those who've been with me for a long time, those who've been with me for a few years, and those who just recently joined to become a partner with me in this ministry. And thank you so much. You know, there's a time when Moses was in the wilderness losing the battle. And so he's lifting up his hands. As long as his hands were up, he was winning the battle. But whenever those hands began to fall, he began to lose the battle. Literally, God began with Moses, but it seems like in your own personal ministry, in your own personal life, in your own personal business, when you start one, you know, you're by yourself and it's your own ideas, but you cannot successfully grow without having help around you. People who carry the vision and want the same results that you do. And so as long as Aaron and her were beside Moses and lifted up his hands for him, he won the battle. And so where it started out early in his ministry as a single man standing before Pharaoh, no one there to help him. Now we have a team around him and two of them that help him win the battle again. Uh, on each side of him, Aaron and her, lifting up his hands, he won the battle. Same thing is true with me. I began this ministry by myself. God called me. No one else was with me when God called me, told me what I would be doing. And through the years, I have found this to be true. When you begin to grow, you have to have help around you. But that help is important because many of those who help you end up going in the ministry themselves. I'm looking forward to getting to heaven, finding some of those partners who stood beside me. And one day God placed a call on their life too. So it's great to know that partners, you can help train them up as well as they support your ministry. If you'd like to become a partner with me, would you join me? Be glad to have you. And so we join hands together. You lift up my arms together and our hearts especially are joined together. So go to my website, bobyandian.com. You can find a place there where you can become a partner with me. I can become a partner with you. Join together in heart, join together in ministry, join together in vision. We're going to see some great things done as the ministry keeps on expanding. Isaiah 52, take a look with me at verse 13. This is speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ. And here it says in verse 13, behold, my servant, this is God the Father speaking of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, when he comes into this earth, he said, we'll deal wisely. He will be high, lifted up and exalted. I want to deal with that part right there where he will deal wisely. There comes a wisdom in how to handle your parents after a while. You know, the Bible talks about, we'll take a look at this from the word of God, that 
that there comes a time whenever you step out from under their authority. That could come when you're single at about 18, 19, 20, whatever. As long as you know there comes a time when you want to become independent, but and they have no more control over you at that time. They're still your parents, but they no longer have authority over you. And there's a difference between, again, having honor and respect toward your parents and then also being under their authority. So you know how to separate authority to where you now begin to make your own decisions for life and they're no longer around to make those decisions. But sometimes it's hard for parents to turn loose of that authority. And so Jesus faced this in his ministry, but here's what this says, he'll deal wisely. But imagine this, not only did he have to deal with his mom and dad, in that respect, wisely on when to separate from them under authority and still honor them as natural mom and dad. But he was also God. He had two fathers. One was his, uh, was his father that was legally his father, and that was Joseph. But he also had a father in heaven that was his biological as well as his heavenly father, because his biological father, God, put the seed inside of Mary. And so he had to know when to separate between God and Mary. There was a time he did this when he was in the temple one day when he was 14 years old and teaching and his mother came in and said, we've been searching for you. And he just simply told her, he said, mom, he told her, he said, I must be about my father's business. Now, I'm sure some could look around and saw Joseph stand there and said, well, is this your father's business? He knew how to separate heavenly father, earthly father, but also when to separate from his natural parents on this earth or legal parents on this earth, such as Joseph and natural mother, but know when to separate and no longer be under their authority, but still give them honor and respect. Jesus had more on his plate than you and I might even possibly understand. Take a look at Proverbs 23. Proverbs 23, here it says, listen to your father who begat you and do not despise your mother when she is old. There comes a time to oftentimes children go through this phase where mom and dad are dumb. And then the older you get, you begin to realize, well, maybe they've got a little smarter in the past few years. No, they were always smarter than you are. And now you begin to understand that, especially when you have kids of your own and they reach that same age where in rebellion, you were in rebellion. And they look at you like, boy, are you old fashioned, dad? You dress old fashioned, you act old fashioned, your ideas are old fashioned. Listen, I may dress old fashioned. I may look old fashioned times, but ideas never become old fashioned. Standards never change. And so that's why the word of God lives and abides forever. It is standards that don't change. Even comes a time when kids might get older in their teenage years. They say, I don't even want to go to church anymore. Well, I'm sorry, but the Bible says we're going to assemble ourselves together. As long as you're under this roof, we're going to church. The day you walk out from under this roof and stand on your own, then you know what? You can become a non-church goer and realize one day the bad decision you made when you no longer have something to fall back on except for your own arrogance, your own feeling like you can pull yourself out and realize something. Only God can get me out of this mess. That's why Proverbs 23, verse 22 says this again, listen to your father who begat you and don't despise your mother when she is old. Look at Genesis chapter two and verse 24. You know, this was given, this verse of scripture was given before parents or in-laws existed. And notice what it says in Genesis 2, 24. Here is the time when God was telling uh, Adam and Eve about marriage. And their, and really their marriage was just the fact that they were joined together as one sexually and God saw them therefore married. And it says, for this cause, a man shall leave his father and mother. This is to be married. And he's now prophesying into the future of what's going to happen. For this cause, a man shall leave his father and mother. Notice this, there was no children at the time when this command was given. So he wasn't speaking here to children. He was speaking to Adam and Eve about the time when their children would choose to separate from them and be married. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, be joined to his wife, and they shall be one flesh. Well, key word there is leave his father and mother. This means to leave the authority of mother and father. 
It doesn't mean you leave, never see them again. Doesn't mean you never, you never go visit them again. And some have even taken that to where that's what this verse means. No, it literally means for this cause, a man shall leave the authority of his mother and father, be joined to his wife. And now they become a brand new authority, a husband and a wife together. They will have children one day and those children will be under submission to the parents. But here's the point of it. You never, ever lose respect for your parents. You never, ever lose uh, that uh, honor toward your parents. And Ephesians chapter six tells us this. Ephesians chapter six now is directed toward children. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. Now this is the command which will stand for, for all the time you're here on this earth. Never will you lose the honor of your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may go well with you and you may live long on the earth. There comes a day, as I just said, you step out from under their authority to become an authority of your own, either toward yourself if you're single or toward your wife or husband as you become married. But this verse is saying there comes a day you separate from that authority, but you never lose the honor. If you'll continue throughout your lifetime to honor your father and mother and for the respect they showed you, for the upbringing they gave to you, for teaching about the things of God, for the fact you might've accepted like I did, Jesus as my Lord and Savior when I was very young, but that became from the influence of my father and mother. And when I accepted Jesus as my Savior in vacation Bible school, he goes on to say, that's the first commandment, which contains a promise with it. Most of the commandments were just commandments, but this one contained a promise with it that it may go well with you. The word go well comes from the word you, E-U in the Greek. It's the root for the word prosperity. And you could say it this way, that it may be prosperous with you and you may live long on the earth. This is the double blessing found from understanding, following after the word of God. There comes a day when your parents are no longer your authority, but you're never out from under authority. Your authority switches to the word of God. When your authority switches to the word of God now on this earth, the word of God will bring you prosperity in one hand and long life on the other hand. And this is found in chapter three of Proverbs. When you follow after wisdom, she comes complete with two hands. In her right hand is length of days and the left hand is riches and honor. This is also found in the New Testament, also in 3 John 2. Beloved, I wish above all things that thou you may prosper and be in health as your soul prospers. There's the two hands of prosperity. And this is found again throughout the word of God. This comes as you continue through your lifetime, not necessarily to be under the authority of your parents, but to honor them. And so, you know, my dad and I faced some problems in this area. The older I got, I mean, there was times he came to me one day and he, wasn't, he didn't like how I was running the family particularly and came and told me, you need to do it this way. I said, well, thank you, dad. No, he says, no, you just need to do it this way. And he got really upset with me for not obeying him. I said, dad, dad, I still honor you and respect you, but this is how I feel I'm going to do it. I'll listen to what you have to say. And so I offered him honor and he had a difficult time separating from that. And sometimes that's what happens with parents. They've had them under the authority so long that even after they're, after they're married, you want to continue to run their life. And so meddling in-laws have always been one of the worst problems in marriage. And so in-laws back off, understand they're no longer under your authority, but it's all right to give them some admonition and some ideas once in a while. Children should never lose respect for honor 
toward their parents. You never outgrow your responsibility of two things, respect and honor toward your parents. Mary's life was very difficult. Imagine this, she not only had a child, but this child was born of God and without the sperm that came from her husband later on, Joseph. And so people thought, and people said all the time, always the gossip was going on that Mary had this child illegitimately out of wedlock. And that just wasn't true. But then to tell them, no, no, God made me pregnant. Now that really helps a lot, doesn't. So Mary's life became difficult when she accepted God's will to give birth to Jesus. Let's take a look at this in Luke chapter one, verse 26. It's going, we're gonna go down through verse 35. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying. I want you to notice this. Here's an angel standing in front of you and she's troubled by what he said, not the fact that an angel was standing there and considered what manner of greeting this was. The angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and call his name Jesus. Jesus, he will be great and will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father, David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever and his kingdom, there will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, how can this be? Since I do not know a man, I've never had sex with a man. How can I become pregnant? The angel answered and said unto her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that Holy One, which is born in you will be called the son of God. Look at verse 13. 37, with God, nothing shall be impossible. When we get back from the break, we're going to pick up right there from that point and talk about what Jesus had to say toward Mary on the cross. Jesus' final words, the last seven statements that he made before descending and ultimately ascending from earth into heaven, hold great significance for both the believer and for the world. In this six-part topical study, Pastor Bobby Indian closely examines and explains the seven statements Jesus made from the cross. Studying those statements carefully sheds light on their significance in the lives of believers today. Message titles include, Father, Forgive Them, Today in Paradise, Behold Your Son, My God, My God, I Thirst, It Is Finished, and Father, Into Your Hands. To order Seven Sayings from the Cross, go to bobyandian.com. Bob Yandian Ministries is training up a new generation in the Word of God. Because of your generosity, this teaching ministry is able to change countless lives. You will never know until you get to heaven how many people received Jesus, were filled with the Holy Spirit, healed or found God's will for their life through your support and prayers. If you would like to become a partner with Bob Yandian, visit bobyandian.com and click on Partnership. Hi, this is Pastor Bob Yandian. Pastors, ministers, I know many of you would like to have some evening classes. Maybe you don't have enough in the congregation to really have fellowships, home groups, things like that. But this is the most important. This is supplemental the Word of God. I have a curriculum series, 10 30-minute uh, lessons on video, as well as my book on end times that goes along with it, a teaching on the subject of probably one that pastors fear the most is end times. Don't understand it. With all the different viewpoints today, I come back to the basic 
basics of what the word of God says. There is a rapture of the church coming. And seven years later after that, Jesus is coming back to establish his millennial kingdom on this earth. And so much is taught in the word of God about the simplicity of what God is saying. Once you understand it, then it seems like confusion is gone. If you'd like to do this, you might have a time where you do it over a two week period five nights a week or spread it out into 10 weeks, whatever you would like to do. I know it'll be a great blessing to you. And on top of that, your congregation will come out smarter on the other end and you'll look good because you brought it into the church. See about having this series just for yourself. I wanna go back to a statement that the angel said to Mary when talking to her about the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ and told her that that which is gonna be born will you be of the Holy Spirit. And uh, anyway, uh, what Mary said to the angel was this, how can this be seeing I know not a man? I want you to understand we all face impossible situations. And of course, ours isn't like being told by an angel that uh, to a woman that you're gonna be pregnant without a man. No, that's not that's not what I'm talking about. This only happened once in history and that's the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ physically. But the point I want to bring out to you is how many times we run into a financial situation and, and the first thing we think is, how can this be? We, God promises he'll meet all of our need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And we sometimes, like the saying of the angel, which disturbed Mary, we get upset with the saying from the Bible. And basically we say, how can this be? How can this be? How can you supply my need when all of a sudden I've been faced with this impossible lawsuit? They're suing me for two or $3 million. I don't even have two or $3,000 saving account. And they're trying to get all this out. And your brain begins to go, how can this be? How can this be? And you begin to think immediately, well, I don't even know a banker. If I knew a banker, maybe this would help. How can this be? Seeing I know not a banker, I want you to notice what the angel said, the Holy Spirit. We could stop right there. I don't care what need you're facing. How can this be? I don't know. Uh, you know, someone else. I don't know a man over here or a woman over here that can do this. Uh, I've got some problems in my house. And, and here we are with COVID. We've come through COVID. And there's, is there anybody around that can fix my house? Nobody seems to be working out there. How can this be seeing I don't know a carpenter? How can this be seeing I don't know someone that, that builds additions onto homes? All you got to stop and remember is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit can answer everything. And what this angel is saying is don't look at a man. Don't look around you. I don't know a man. This isn't going to come through men. This is going to come through God. I can tell you this, when God meets your needs, it will come by the Holy Spirit. It may still come through an individual, but you can look back and say it had to be God that brought this through. The angel again said the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the highest will overshadow you. The Holy One which will be born in you is called the Son of God. And this fulfilled prophecy from the Word of God. Isaiah chapter 7 verse 14 says, Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son. Now that's your King James. And here's what scholars say today. They say in the in the Old Testament, well, that word actually meant a maiden. Even scholars try to get around the virgin birth. Listen, the virgin birth is the key. It is the root cause of everything about redemption. If Jesus had been just a regular person coming into this earth, born under Adam's transgression, there's no way he could have saved us. He had to out, he had to skirt around that one. And God promised in Genesis 3:15 that the one that would come would be of the seed of the woman, not the seed of the man. So a seed doesn't come from a woman, but the seed of the woman came from God. God impregnated her and she had a child and she was still a virgin before she before Jesus was born, while she was pregnant and after Jesus was born, she was still a virgin. And so that's the point of it. And so here we have it in this way. But anyway, scholars say, no, no, it says young maid. It really means a young maid. She may not, she may or may not have been a virgin. She was a virgin because the New Testament quotes that verse of scripture. And here's the Greek word in the New Testament when the verse 
word virgin is used is the word parthenos. Parthenos is the place where all this worship went on of idols and stuff, but the word meant a virgin. It was the Greek word for virgin. And so what the Lord was saying there in the New Testament, she's a virgin, virgin, nothing but a virgin. I don't care what the Old Testament word was and the Hebrew word that was used. It can mean also virgin, but it can mean a young maid, but it doesn't mean a young maid. It means a virgin because the New Testament emphatically points this out. So Mary was told her life would never be easy after that point. When Jesus was born, it was prophesied to her, her life would not be easy. Luke chapter two, verse 34 and verse 35, Simeon blessed them. Them is Jesus, Mary, and Joseph and said to Mary, his mother, behold, this child is set for the fall and rising again of Israel. The fall of Israel will be the fall where the temple is destroyed, Israel dispersed, but the rising again will be the church. And he says of many in Israel for a sign which will be spoken against and a sword shall pierce through your own soul. Also, so the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. He's simply saying no one would believe a virgin birth, though it was prophesied. Again, the two verses, Old Testament, Genesis 3.15, Isaiah 7.14. There was no room in the inn when Jesus was going to be born. He would be born and laid in a manger. Herod killed many children trying to get to Jesus. She and Joseph escaped to Egypt for two years and she lived for many years without Jesus telling anyone he was the Messiah. She was frustrated through her lifetime. And this tells us that you're going to live a life of frustration because you're going to try to get Jesus to explain it and that'll help you out. But Jesus didn't even tell people he was the Messiah till he was in his full-time ministry. She lived for many years without Jesus telling anyone he was the Messiah and he never entered his ministry until the wedding of the Cain of Galilee in John chapter two, verses one through five. Let's look at those verses. John two, verse one, the third day there was a marriage in Cana of Galilee and the mother of Jesus was there. Both Jesus was called and disciples to the marriage. And when they wanted wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. I want you to understand this. 30 years Jesus has been preparing for his ministry. In 30 years, she's been frustrated. Nobody knows the truth. People are still talking. She simply says, would you help me? And they finally come to a place now where he's going to perform his first miracle. And she said to Jesus, they have no wine. She didn't say that. She said, they have no wine. She exploded on him. When are you going to do something? Notice what Jesus said to her, woman. What have I to do with you? He recognized and respected her, but he also let her know, I'm not under your authority. He said, what have I to do with you? My hour has not yet come. He's, and so his mother then, she suddenly grabbed herself and understood exactly what he was saying. He is my son, but he's not under my authority as my son. He's now stepped out into his own personal ministry. In this closing verse that I just read, she said, whatever he says to you, do it. This is also going back to what the, the angel said to her. And she said it to the angel, be it unto me according to your word. She said the same thing to Jesus that basically she had said to that angel, you know what? It's going to happen because you've spoken it. They'd try to push. And from that time on, from that time on, when Jesus announced himself, they tried to push her son over a cliff. The Pharisees said they would set an ambush for her son. Other children did not believe he was the Messiah. Even her own children didn't believe he was the Messiah. And James didn't accept Jesus until after he was resurrected from the dead. He was lied about and accused of blasphemy every day. Jesus was falsely arrested, beaten, sentenced. He was crucified in front of an angry mob and Mary had to endure the humiliation of all of that. That. Mary was blessed through great sorrow. The end of Jesus' sorrows brought an end to her sorrows also. She was present with Mary Magdalene at the tomb 
after the resurrection. She was in the upper room at Pentecost and she became a faithful member of the Jerusalem church and was one of those that prayed for Peter in chapter 12 of Acts when he was released from prison. Psalm 34 and verse 19 says, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. You know, my hat's off and kudos to Mary for the things that she put up while she was here. She is not the one we go through to get to Jesus, never was, and the Catholic religion is wrong in that case. But the point of it is she still deserves much credit for putting up with that. How would you have liked to have been the mother of Jesus? I'm sure you probably think, oh, wouldn't that be wonderful? No, it was heartache upon heartache and problem upon problem as she could not come out and tell why he had been born and there seemed to be no father around to actually claim that his father was God. Jesus got to do that later on. John 19 tells us at the time that Jesus was on the cross in verse 25 through 27. And here is the third statement that Jesus made from the cross where he honored his mother. And in verse 25 through 27, now there stood by the cross of Jesus, his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Cleophas and Mary Magdalene. And when Jesus saw his mother and the disciple standing by, this was John, whom he loved, he said to his mother, woman, look at your son. Biologically, look at your son. I'm not under your authority, but you know what? You begot me. You brought me into this world. God brought the seed. You brought the egg. Together they came and formed a divine human being on this earth. As much God as he was man, as much man as he was God. Then he said to the disciple, John, look at your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her to his own house. John had returned to Jesus' side. John took her to his home and she became his mother to love and to care for. A mother or father is not biological, but a mother or father is made out of love and to care as we look after them. You know, Jesus Christ came into this earth as a human being. And when he did, he came to the cross and that's how he died as a human being. As God, he couldn't die for us. Think about this. He had to become a human being and the, the, a birth was necessary, but a natural birth by any other man or woman would have been brought the fact that, that Jesus would have been brought into this earth in the same image as Adam, therefore a fallen human being and therefore couldn't redeem us. Every one of us are born under the fallen seed of Adam. And what happened in Adam passed to us. In Adam, all die, but in Christ shall all be made alive. Jesus had to come into this earth and get around the human side of birth that caused the fall to be impregnated into him. So God impregnated a virgin without a man. Why? Because the man is the one that carries the curse down into the children. And the woman has a curse. She got it from her father, not from her mother. So if possible, if there could be a way a woman could become pregnant without a man getting her pregnant, that child could be the Messiah. Of course, that's impossible. With God, nothing is impossible. So God impregnated Mary and the child that was born was born into this earth just as Adam and Eve were created in perfection. And Jesus was tempted just like Adam and Eve. But on the very first temptation of Adam and Eve, they fell for it, stole the whole human race into slavery. Jesus for 33 years never ever once submitted to Satan. He was tempted in all points as we are, yet without sin. And so what happened was because he was a man, he could die for us. Because he was a perfect man, he could satisfy God's claims. So Jesus Christ did not come into this earth as God to operate in front of people. No, he came as a human being anointed by the Holy Spirit. The Bible doesn't say how God anointed Christ of heaven. It says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit 
spirit and power. The one that went to the cross was the humanity of Jesus Christ. You can't kill deity. How do you drive a spear through God? How do you drive nails into God? And on top of that, how could God die? If the wages of sin is death, God can't die. He's eternal life. And so omnipotence cannot weaken itself to one spot and die. And so omnipresence can't reduce itself to one spot and die. Omnipotence can't weaken itself, neither can omnipresence reduce itself. And so Jesus Christ came to this earth and as a human being, he could die. But as a perfect human being, he could satisfy God. As a human being, he could satisfy us. And when he went to the cross, he took your sins and my sins and died for them on the cross. And after three days and three nights, he was raised from the dead. Why? Because he had no sins of his own. After three days and three nights, he paid for our our sin. And then he had none of his own, so he could be quickened, raised from the dead, seated at the right hand of the Father, and there he's representing us. So again, John had returned to Jesus' side, but John took her now to his house, and she became his mother, and he loved after her and watched her from that time on. And it comes back to this again, a mother or father is not biological, but it comes through love and care that they give for you and love and care that you give back for them. That's what Jesus did. I'll see you tomorrow. You can order resources, become a partner, or browse free articles and podcasts. You can also join our mailing list and receive weekly devotions and the latest ministry updates. Visit bobyandian.com. To contact us by mail, use the address on your screen. Thank you for watching today's broadcast. We'll see you next time on Student of the Word with Bob Yandian.